we're back. Another episode, another update of the Tomb of Annihilation table. Who did you kill this time? I had to kill off my mom's character. My, my that mother was last is fine. time. Oh, that was last time. Okay. Who did you kill anybody. off? We, well, <laughs> no one is technically dead yet, although we cut it pretty, pretty close. Ooh. So they are down in the Tomb of Annihilation. Acerex, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a Serac or I think it's Acerex. Acerex Slayer, the ass man himself. We're down there in the ass man's tomb. And do you remember the ass man from wrestling? Yeah, of course I do. His oh partner, my god! The road, oh Jesse James. Yes. I'm an ass oh! man. Duh, duh. Ass man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Back in on. the day, my WrestleMania <laughs> character had uh, the Road Dogs like punching special. That was his ultimate move. Anyway, Tomb of Annihilation. So <laughs> they're down in the Tomb of Annihilation, and there are these crystal eyeballs that are being found throughout the third level of the tomb. Okay, it's a multi-tier tomb. And there are all these little crystal eyeballs. And they have stumbled across about four or five of them. There's ten total, and they open up a particular door. Now, they had found – they'd only missed two, right? Like they'd found a bunch of them, and then there was two that were in a room behind a hidden wall. They didn't find those. And it's an optional room, so I'm not that worried about it. But I'm like, man, that's a cool room. I kind of want to help them get there, right? We're going to kind of like throw some flags up because they had I'm found sorry. almost all I these heard. Things. I want to railroad them. I want to railroad these motherfuckers. That I like. Okay, go on. Well, I'm trying to. Well, well <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and, and we're going to get more into this philosophical discussion later per our follow up topic. But right now, we're in Tomb of <laughs> Annihilation. So, they, they, uh, they had defeated some big badass clay golem and they found this treasure chest. And the main thing in the chest were two of the eyes. And they kept getting these eyes around the corner is. The door that these things clearly open, there is a gigantic mirror and ten eyeball-shaped indentions. And when they put an eyeball in one of the things, it like lights up. And the characters within the mirror look sicker, paler, weaker, decaying the more they put. So clearly, door, eyeballs, mirror, but they don't feel bad. They don't feel anything happening to them. So they're, the, the, the final two are like in the room around the fucking corner. I didn't totally railroad it, but they decided to leave from the room they were in because they couldn't open that door. There was only two ways out, and the party split. One took one way, one went the other for like some tactical reason that doesn't really matter. But they passed through the room where the final ones were hidden, and the way they were hidden was in a long room, a, a very long, narrow room. And at the middle point of the room, coming across it is a magical waterfall, and if you pass through it without this... Like you have to take the the sides of the walls are these uh, murals of uh, warriors and fighters, and where their hands are is like a mounted weapon. And if you don't carry the trident through it, like the room blasts you. Great. Well, two of the uh, of the statues or the the murals, sorry, painted on the walls, do not have weapons, and they are secret doors. You can just walk through them. It's a, it's, it's it's an illusionary wall. And behind it is a plinth with the eyeballs, the final two that they will need to open that door, right? So they're going through the room, and I'm like, okay, make a perception check. And the character rolled high. And I was like, you notice that the water, as it laps against the walls in this room, below that mural, it doesn't reflect off. It doesn't, like, hit it and then, like, wave action back. It just sort of, like, goes in. And I thought that was fair. You got a good perception roll. You did go back through the room. Did not feel that was super railroady. Where's your, where's your, where's, where's the jupe at? On a scale of like one to ten, where is jupe's your railroading your railroading them needle going? 
Uh, I mean, they wouldn't have ended up in that room had you not done a thing. No, they, 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 well, I mean, they had to, they had to end up in that room because it was the only way out. Like, they were not going through the door because the door you was locked. You said there were two ways out. Yeah, but they chose to go that way. They, they, for whatever reason, they, they split up. They did choose to go that way, yeah. And yeah. split party is best party. Yeah, it was there. It was something because it had not fully figured out the thing that killed my mom's character. It was this mm-hmm. weird guillotine-like thing, and they didn't know if it was on a timer or a pressure plate, which was hilarious because it's a timer, and the barbarian was like, "It's clearly not a timer. Must be a pressure plate." And he keeps fucking with it, and they don't want to send the whole party through it because last time the fourth person or the the um, sixth person got cut in half. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they didn't want to send the whole party back through. They, they knew two could work pretty good. They felt good about two, and uh, one of our players was missing, and my mom's character was dead. Hence, we're down to four actual characters. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "All right, you two do this, you two do that." So that's why they split the party up. Okay. So well, they went in that room of their own volition. Will says he's at a six. Is it a six? He's at a six out of ten. Wow. And uh, um, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. That's a six. I gave them a perception roll to notice the the water lapping up in the room. Mm-hmm. Ooh, God, y'all are hard. It's, well, <laughs> so anyway, they, they obtained the uh, the final two. Uh, not before, but the them fucking with that guillotine thing, it's a small tunnel, okay? It's a crawl space. You have to be on your belly. You can't fit two people side by side. And there's a metal sheet, okay, with like eye holes cut in through it in the shape of like a minute. It's like a minotaur face and these two eye holes. Mm-hmm. So you can push this thing up and it will click into place. It's like blocking the passageway and it will click. And after one minute, it slams down and does a shit ton of damage. They keep looking for the pressure plate. And I like, I have a digital watch. I'm just like looking at it and I count one minute and go slam. And it happened to a, go with like when a character had done something. So our barbarian is like, must be a pressure plate somewhere. And they keep fucking with it, and they figure out it's a it's a fucking timer. So it was great when he was declared stone cold. It must be a pressure. There's no way this is a timer when it clearly was. And they figured it out <laughs> after fucking with it. <laughs> it wasn't me. It's fun for me. So they get to this door. They put all the eyeballs. Now, what do you think would be? Well, you know, the, the, these are some motifs. What might be behind this door? Any any thoughts so far? Circular mirror surrounded by ten holes that ten crystal eyeballs fit into. Okay. All right. That's, um, that, there uh, you go. What? What? I mean, if that's what it is, you're thinking what's behind it? Ten eyeballs. I think Leo's got it right. A beholder. Right. That's what. That's what one might think. Mm-hmm. So they open it up, and inside is a large half dome room or half sphered room. It's a perfectly domed room. They step on the floor. It's like glass smooth, and they slide across. Okay. In the middle of the room is a large circular object covered in a black drape. Around in alcoves around the room's corners is just treasure, 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 treasure. Now, prior to entering this room, our cleric cast detect magic. Because this 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 mirror is making them look sickly and ill, and you know, she's wanting to know what the fuck's going on with this thing, you know. What what is it school of magic? That's not listed in the book, but this thing doesn't harm them in any way. So I figured illusion was fair. It has no, at no point does this mirror actually have an effect on anything. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it must be illusionary. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. It's an illusion. Fuck this room. Let's go in. Let's just make it happen, y'all. Let's do it to it. We're not afraid of this damn door. Cool. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's the problem. So when they did that, underneath that drape is a large spherical steel ball. That is a giant fucking magnet 
And it will not work if it's covered by that drape. But if it's unfurled, it will, like, any character wearing metal armor is instantly stuck to it. Any missile weapon that misses will then hit the thing and be stuck to it. Any melee weapon made of metal can be used. It will automatically hit and then be stuck to it. And there is no, like, you can pull it off. All right? It also has... Uh, uh Uh-huh. Where is it at? Let me just find this thing. 44B. I don't know. It sounds kind of... I'm getting there. For lack of a better word, it sounds kind of stupid. Also, it has Nistel's Magic Aura on it, where it says that it, it returns back to anyone with Detect Magic that it is an evil aberration. So okay. this thing is screaming Beholder, right? Mm-hmm. Above the fake Beholder giant uh, magnet is an actual fucking Beholder that's invisible. So that's... Oh, that's Christ. <laughs> Why? Why? I just... Fucking old modules are so Because Serac is an asshole. It's really... Fucking... (laughs) Fucking Gygax. Yeah, yeah, it's a dick move. Fucking (laughs) Gygax. So they're they're in there, and they're slipping and falling, and they see all the treasure, and then they go to fuck with this thing, or, like, take some treasure and leave, and then the the beholder then unfurls this thing. Barbarian, stuck. Cleric, stuck. Uh, They also have a genie that they've, like, found in a room, and they kind of... like the, I've, I've had the genie help them. They've already used up like one of its wishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is an evil genie, but she wants out of this motherfucker, and she's granted them wishes, so there you go. It's kind of like, if you help us in the fight, that's a wish. You know, if you, like, bail us out, because she is powerful as fuck. So, okay, and also allows me to kind of, like, GM fiat some stuff in, which I will be doing later. Uh, Leal has a good question. The barbarian was wearing metal? Yep, breastplate. A I don't breastplate. think they take that... Uh, I don't think they're restricted. Like old school D and D had a lot of restrictions. Like if you're this, you cannot wear this. Yeah. And that's not as present, or if it is, I fucking missed it. All right, all right. So they got a genie. They're stuck to a ball. There's an invisible beholder. Yep. So the beholder like have it like do an evil laugh. Uh, yeah. Our cleric oh. like brings up spirit guardians. The first thing I have this guy do is he just looks at her with his anti magic cone, turns that shit off. Barbarian is stuck. I'm having him play the genie. Like I'm like, here's the genie sheet. Just you know, roll with it. Like if you ask her for help and she's in, like this is her sheet. This is what she can do. Well, he starts wailing on the fucking like he nails the shit out of this big metal ball. He's got 100 HP and a, an AC of 20, but he decides to knock the shit out of it. He gets one hit with his axe before it's stuck. He starts punching it and shit. Uh, our ranger is fine. Our druid is fine. Our rogue is not there. Mom's character's dead. So the ranger's up and totally good. The druid's up and totally good. And that's about it. I thought mom uh, was a sorcerer. She was a sorcerer, but she's dead. Okay. All right. All right. We used but we have a clear. So. so yeah, our ranger's yeah. up and, okay. and then our druid's up. So the druid is possessed by one of the gods. She makes herself go invisible. This is really good. I was going to have the beholder like look for her with his anti-magic cone and probably knocked it off, but it would have taken time. He has like the problem of adventurers trying to you know fuck up his shit. So, he, the way Beholders work is you roll a d10, and that's an I-beam that fires, and they get three I-beams per turn, and they get an I- and they, and they have leg- like three legendary actions, which is generally used to make another I-beam attack. Out the gate, this guy rolls Death Ray on our Ranger and knocks him for like 40 HP, which is a good chunk. And if this thing kills you, you just die. No dying, no death save, fuck you, re-roll, character done. So it knocks the shit out of him, and then pops him with like, a paralyzed. He dodges one and gets uh, paralyzed. So he's out of the fight. Our cleric gets hit with petrification. She's turned to solid stone. So that's that's not great. 
our barbarian is hit with a sleep ray. So none of these are damaging. We had one that was a damaging one, and it was a nasty. It was like the highest damaging thing this guy has. Everything else is crowd control. And he opens up by crap. We, we, like, there, there were several turns. We only had the druid up. And her character has not been strong. She's the she's not very mechanically sound. Our rogue isn't there for the session today. So no one's playing the rogue character. Uh, so she's invisible, but she starts like, I think it's like plague swarm or something like insect plague. And just keeps the plague. And beholders do not have a great counter. This is a great anti-beholder fucking thing. It's just bugs. He can't really look at them with his magic with his anti-magic eye because it's a swarm. He can't really affect them. He doesn't have hands. They're just there. And she can make this thing follow him around. That just wore his ass out. Finally, the ranger gets back up, gets off a good shot, and uh, it, I think one of them missed, and he hits the hits the sphere. At this point, the genie was hitting the sphere. My barbarian had her do gaseous form, and she goes into the sphere. I thought that was pretty cool. He like, he's trying to destroy the sphere so he can get in the fight. Nobody well, thought to put the cloth back on it. No, nor no. did my barbarian think to take off his breastplate and just be unarmored for a bit. But he gets mm-hmm. he so he was fighting it for a second, got put to sleep. His genie does destroy this thing from the inside between him and like the ranger. Like whenever the ranger missed the beholder. Because uh, I, th- I think the he had the genie cast like I like use a wish or use something like I kind of like fiated it to make the beholder visible because nobody had detected visibility nobody had taken that very niche spell like see invisibility mm-hmm. and they were just gonna die <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't really want to just wipe them on that but they if got your rogue close. was there would he have would he have helped or would he have created a, a more of an advantage for the group or no. Yeah, just by being a body. He's one more person to knock down. He can do a yeah. shit ton of damage. And he doesn't have metal armor. So he would have been able to, like, do yeah. something. You know, the, this thing uh-huh. has a butt ton of hit points. It was It's just a tough fight for this party that was missing. It's one of its biggest damage dealers. And after yeah. the sorcerer's gone. They're just... They, 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 this is their first fight after having lost a character. Mm-hmm. So, shit. Not great. Yeah. Um, so they're fighting this thing. But yeah, there, there were multiple rounds where... He was just firing at her, and I had him fire at disadvantage, and uh, and just didn't. And, and she was it. She was it. like the party was down. And if she got CC'd, it was going to be a wipe. At that point, it's just he goes and does his bite attack for critical damage, and you're dead. It's, it's the end of the fight, really. So I was like, "Fuck!" Ranger gets back up. He's doing some fighting. Uh, he gets two death rays fired at him. If both hit, his character will be wiped. He dodges both. They kill the sphere. It drops. Our barbarian, in the meantime. Had, had been put had been put to sleep. He falls, smacks the ground, takes falling damage. That wakes him up from sleep. So he gets to get back in the fight. Ranger gets sleeped again. But they they just toughed it out. Our druid, our our she was like, I finally did something. And I felt so great for her because she did. She just plague swarmed this motherfucker and danced around long enough to keep him down. So mm-hmm. team knocks him out. Uh, we use our genie's last wish to un. Uh, petrify our cleric because nobody has greater restoration and that's what you need to fix petrify mm-hmm. and it felt a little shitty being like oh you failed a uh, a will save or a constitution save your character's instantly dead now for all intents and purposes because we because mm-hmm. you're the only character that can even have access to that spell so fuck so i just called that the, the genie's last wish okay even though the genie didn't have that on her sheet but mm-hmm. fuck it i think that's fair it's fine yeah fudged it okay Fudge it a bit. Mm-hmm. And that... Oh, then... Damn. This is the last bit. They uh, 
they are starting to roll to see who can do the stupid thing because they just embrace being stupid. They want to push the buttons and they want to fight their way out of it. Whew. And there, there are some things in here where that just does not go great, and we have arrived at one. So they go down a hallway, uh, and the uh, they go down to the the next floor, the last like main like real floor of the main hallway or the main stairwell, and they find like the one of these devil faces carved in the wall, and they see something moving, and it is a lizard that has been made sentient with the awakened spell by an Omuan druid, and he was brought in here by other adventurers to like be a trap trip thing like they would throw the lizard down the hallway and if a trap happened then well don't go there but uh they all died and he lived and so now the druid found this uh <laughs> the lizard who i like she said what's his name i'm like fuck uh otto you know that's a great omuan name i guess why not and they have otto who is like an intelligence 10 lizard and he's just there he's he's new but he's a new buddy he's like yeah there's this door that i've never seen any of the like the wandering uh, like those big, I forget their name, the big zombie dudes, like the wandering monsters of the place, they never go in there. And there's a door, and they're like, okay. Well, they go around the back, and it's the same room, and it's the same kind of a door. And the door has a carving on the outside of a man with his hand raised up, and it's like withered and kind of, uh, and like almost, um, yeah, it's just a, it's, a, it's like a withered arm being held high. Our barbarian raises his hand up high to give him a high five. Well, as soon as he does that, the door opens. Okay. Mm-hmm. They go into this room, and there is a beautiful crown. It is the black opal crown, one of the three named treasures of this dungeon. I don't tell them that. I just say it is beautiful, and it is a crash work beyond belief. Well, of course they grab it, upon which the door is shut, and they hear the groaning of two bodaks coming around the corner. That's what they know. That's where we ended the session, before mm-hmm. that fight. Mm. Here's the deal. Those bodaks emerged from a sphere of annihilation around the corner and like the room is a is a rectangular room with two like walls that don't fully hit uh and, and they're in the middle of the room and do not go to the walls on the outside so it's kind of like the room has been like divided almost like a locker room might be divided does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah so around the back where they have not been there is a sphere of annihilation the bodaks are there they are undead baddies they have like a death glare but and, and they're going to try to stuff the characters inside the sphere of annihilation which is instantly dead Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all great. Here's the problem. There is no way out of that fucking room except to go back to those doors where there is a picture of a man with his hand raised up, except where there was a withered hand, it is now severed. It is an amputation. The only way out of that room is for somebody to raise an amputated hand toward that door. Hmm. That's it. The, the, only, well, there, the other way out is to cast a teleportation spell, which would then fail and transport you to a fucked up room which is like the trash compactor of the mm-hmm. of the. I, I don't think any of them have teleportation, mm-hmm. so they may do that. So it's either go to the weird trash compactor, which should just wipe it. Which, by the way, is where the genie is, because the genie said, "Okay, that's all three of my wishes. I've helped you enough. I'm teleporting out of this dungeon." Well, she's just teleported herself to this weird ass fucking room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, they may see her there if, if our druid may have it. But yeah, otherwise, someone's got to cut an arm off or put their arm in the sphere of annihilation to cut the it hand. off. Well, it's it's an arm. Oh, it's the, how do you raise your, your amputated arm up to the door? It would be you like amputated your arm. It'd be to your forearm. It'd be like your elbow. Okay. Up to your like, elbow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which, by the way, in my last D&D game, we played with an actual fucking amputee who had lost a hand. And I'm like, fuck, thank God that guy's not here. Whew, that would be awkward. <laughs> I'm going to need one of you guys to lose a hand as we all just not look at that motherfucker. Wow. Oh, shit. But yeah, so, so uh, uh, interesting. 
again, we're seeing the 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 issue with inexperienced players playing an old school module that yeah. really aren't equipped for the Gygax gotchas. They're not armed for it. They don't have the res- like. I don't want to say respect, but they don't have the the knowledge to tread carefully. Yeah, they're just having fun. They're just yeah, lucky they're just having it's fun. Out so far, and it's worked out so far. But yeah, this is yeah, that's a pickle to be in. Yep, and uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Are you gonna fudge it? it? Are you gonna fudge no, it? No, I want an arm. I want my. I want you my want an arm? flesh. Yeah. Right. To quote Shylock, I crave the law. I want my pound of flesh. Why can't it just be like a finger? No. No, because this is how they're going to learn to stop fucking with this Gygaxian bullshit. Everyone's so fucky and happy. It's all fun and games until you someone loses an eye. You put them in a tomb where it's all arm. Gygaxian bullshit, and then I you're know. upset because they touch the Gygaxian bullshit that I'm they don't upset. know about? I'm not upset. You want Jupiter. your pound of flesh. I'm trying to get them to learn. <gasps> I want them wow. to learn. And every time they look at that little nub, they'll remember, maybe we shouldn't fuck with this lich and we should just wow. not do... Maybe we just shouldn't push all the buttons and, and pull all the levers and step on all the pressure plates. Okay. The question is, whose arm is it going to be? Probably the clerics. Maybe the druids. <laughs> How sad would it be for a druid to have no arm? Like, transform into a three-legged dog? Oof. I don't know if that would be the case, though. Oh, it's going to be the case. <laughs> oh, it's going to be the case? <laughs> yeah. Because if a druid were to transform into a spider, that's I, I eight-legged. I was thinking about that. I was just thinking, oh, fuck. They don't have eight legs, so why, when they transform, would they not... If the creature has four legs, why would they not have four legs? You would get six legs. 25%. <laughs> You're gonna get. We're gonna ratio it out. What? <laughs> Holy shit! Oh come on, it's D and D. Just get to level seven, and, or get to like level thirteen and cast uh, Greater Restoration and heal that motherfucker back. All you gotta do is live. All you gotta do is live. Yeah. Throughout this Gygaxian Tomb of Annihilation. Well, Good it luck. was this or Curse of Strahd. You know, I it's. Break it, them in I, half I hope you're. I mean, I. I don't know, man. This is. Would you fudge I, it? You, as you would a fudge player, it? as a player, as a, if I were a new player and this was happening, it would feel like really hard, especially if the GM isn't giving me any kind of hints as to, hey, don't do that. It would feel like this. It almost, to me, it almost feels hopeless. Because I, I don't know everything the GM knows, so I, I feel, I, I think I would feel kind of hopeless. Like, this is too hard. I mean, it's not the end of the world, it's just an arm. Like, you when know, my mom's people go died, insane over their characters with any okay. changes to them. Please, people go I, nuts. I know I'm good to go, because when my mom's character died, all they did was make jokes. They were like, oh, you know that, uh, those temporary hit no, points? We gotta I, lose those. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's just half off, ha, 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 because she's cut in half. It was. This is not an overly sentimental crowd. That's fine, but I just, I definitely probably would fudge this because I know there are new players and I know this module is hard. 
So I, I probably would fudge it just to make it a little more of an even playing field. But if you want to go, no, fuck you, this is the module we're playing, and we're taking it all the way, well, okay. It doesn't, I'm fine, fine because it's going to introduce interesting mechanical aspects of, of limitations in future like movements and climbing and whatnot that I believe they can surmount, but it will be a challenge. Mechanically, it will not affect their character. If you're a druid, you can cast just as many spells as you could with one arm as you could do. Yeah, except when I change into an animal, it won't be the whole animal. I'm probably not going to fuck them on most things. It would have to be okay. like something specific, and I may not even. You're right. I may fudge on the turning into an animal thing, and and there's an interesting aspect of maybe that character wants to be an animal most of the time now because they have all their limbs. And that 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 works for some reason. I would. I mean, them, it's one way I to get her them. to start using wild shape. There you go. She used you know? it recently. She used it in uh, in one of the other rooms to jump across. Okay. this like wind. Wind. It was a it was a room with these floating platforms. I kind of forgot this bit where they got two of the other eyes, and then, and it was um you had to be on these platforms. And there was wind in the room, and it was uh, a bit of a, a harsh jump, and they had to jump across to like be in two places at once type of deal. Well, she just turned into a wolf, and she was like, oh, they have a jumping distance of like thirty fucking feet, and I was like, oh, okay. Pop, 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 pop. And I think it finally clicked in her head that she can break puzzles with her wild shape. That was a cool thing to see. It was also cool to see her step up into that spellcaster role that my mom uh, had to leave. So, you know, my mom's out. Fireball's gone. We've been leaning on that fireball real heavy and banished real heavy. Turn one, insect swarm. And upcast it. So out the gate, she did the right thing. Not Mm -hmm. this pussyfooting around... Do I go? It was turn one, you know, act one, scene one. Holy shit, we're in trouble. This is a big bad. Hit him with the, hit, hit, you, know, un, uh, you know, unload the, the insect cannon. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a that was the right call. Yeah. And it was cool to see her step up into the gap and fill that role. And I think that her losing an arm, I would let her determine if it affected her animals or not. I think that would be a cool thing for her to have input on. But I, but and, and again, mechanically, it's not a fucker character or the cleric's character to lose an arm. It's going to be fine mechanically. I just think it's a way to tell them, hey, this place is no joke. You know, be be aware huh. of the situation. So that is that is the okay. update, and they don't know this. They have they they have these bodaks which are going to like give them death glares, which can just knock them over, and stuff the unconscious characters into this big sphere of annihilation and they're going to get the big crown all this shit's going to be popping off and then uh how do we get out of this room guys if they they if they tarry i'm just going to have them roll intelligence and whoever gets the high roll is going to be like you look at the sphere of annihilation and realize that it could probably sever an arm at the exact spot someone desired cleanly without risk of infection compared to rusted steel let that hang in the air uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I am I I am curious to see what happens in the next session. I think they're in in a bit of a pickle. Yep. <laughs> I think you're really close to a TPK. What? I was with the fucking beholder. I think you're close to another TPK. If they have a bad night of rolling, it's Well, you know, is it because they're Bodax? What, what am I missing? About the TPK part. Well, there's no way to get out of the room unless they chop off an arm. They got the two things coming that are going to get... I mean, are they easily killed, these things? Uh, No, they're tough. They're just two of them. And so we'll have okay. all our players back. That, that's five players. 
I their their whole gimmick that's 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 the, the nasty the real nasty part is they can give this death glare thing. That's going to be a lot more effective on smaller parties. Even if you're powerful or whatever else, if you can just knock somebody the fuck out, you can drag them off, and then there's less people to stop you. With five people, like even if they come out the gate and knock out, like I'm, I'm not sure from their perspective what would be the two best people to knock over. But let's say they achieve this goal. There's still three people who are going to be actively, physically trying to stop them from achieving their goal, and that's kind of the real rub of the room. That's that's at that point, it's just going to be a straight up fight. And I do not think I, again, I haven't looked at their stats super close. I do not think two of them are going to beat these five characters in a, in a straight up fight. And can they just chop off the arm of one of those then and present it to the door? No, because it has to be you have to stand in front of the door with a withered arm and like raise the nub up. You have to mash the door. Maybe I just don't know what these things are then. Oh, they're like evil undead zombie things. So they're zombies. They have arms and legs. Yeah, but why well, wouldn't that not, work? It's just, it's just not how the room works because <laughs> they're of the room, and the and the door knows this. The door is is a smart door. All right, I didn't realize it was a a nest door that was yeah. smart. Okay, we're get we're getting this we're getting this arm, Jupiter. Apparently, you are hell-bent on getting this arm regardless because you want to teach him a lesson. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you've adduced the situation. Well, that's what it says. I'm, I've been so lenient. That's I've been so easy-peasy. And now they have grabbed the black opal crown. They have grabbed uh-huh. the black opal crown, and it's time for them to pay the piper. Uh-huh. Hey. All right. So there's that. So do you have any... Anything going on? Are we going on to our, our discussion, our philosophical positions? On... Well, I mean, I thought we'd do a separate recording, but since your oh. update didn't take that long, and we're pretty much like segued right into it perfectly, <laughs> I guess we may as well. So, um, what Cotton is uh, alluding to is, I ran across on Reddit a question about fudging. Fudging rolls versus fudging monster hit points. Versus fudging. Ah, uh, what was the third thing? Oh, I'm with my computer. I know it was yeah, it was hit points, rolls, and HP, hit right? Points. Oh wait, wait, hit, hit points, points rolls, and <laughs> yeah, that, those are HP. <laughs> hit points, <laughs> HP, and vitality. All those things can be fudged. Uh, and it was like, well, as a as a GM, what what do you fudge? All right, fudging rolls versus fudging stats. Versus fudging NPC behavior. Okay. Okay. Well, I've been talking for a bit. I want to to hear the the Jupiter perspective on all of these things. Okay. So, as a GM, I have fudged. I have fudged both ways. As, uh, so if, if a group is just steamrolling through an encounter, I'll fudge the hit. Make it a little more. But if they're having a hard time, I'll fudge the hit points and make it a little less. I try not to fudge NPC behavior unless, through table talk, they have kind of indicated the story they want and it would require me to alter the NPC a bit. So I'm very big on letting the players, you know, tell the story they want. And if and they have kind of like they're alluding to, well, they'd like. You know, it'd be cool, you know, or something. If they give me some kind of indication that requires me to alter the NPC, I will do that. 
I have sometimes, like like you said, uh, the Beholder had legendary actions. Like if it says, well, you can have, they can take three. Sometimes I only have them do one. Just, you know, just because. Just just because I don't want to like overdo it and kind of, I don't want them to feel hopeless. I want players to always feel like they can overcome and be the heroes. I am their biggest fan. And I want to make that happen for them. But I don't just give it to them, but I do alter a bit. Uh, Leal says he thinks anyone who is GM'd has fudged at one time or another. And Psychotron says he'll fudge things like rolls and, and hit points to keep the story going. But like I've said, the, the party has to convince the NPC to change behavior. Okay. So that's that's where I'm at on the fudging. Now, here's the, the caveat. The GM can fudge. They're the ones that kind of, you know, set the world stage, right? I don't like it when a PC fudges stuff. You know, like the... That's just cheating. That's yes. all that is. Yes, it is. But <laughs> one, could cheating. Argue, <laughs> one could argue the GM's cheating when they fudge. It is. Now, the other thing is, if you're a GM who decides to do open rolling, it's harder to fudge. But I do like the open rolling because it keeps everybody honest. But it's it's harder to fudge. It's harder to fudge that way, especially if you have. Now, you're lucky you have inexperienced players and hopefully you don't have players that are Googling what the monster is and seeing all the stats and the hit points so they can't call you on your bullshit when you. I wish I wish a motherfucker would. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> don't you? Oh. Don't you almost wish they would be like, "Oh, I've that's had, like what the book says." I have had well, it. I have had players do that, and I'm like, "Do not ever do that again." Or some people like Grafa. He has just read the book so many times. He's played the game so much. He just knows the stats, and I can't like that's his knowledge. I can't say, "Well, you know, put it out of your head." He knows the stats, so it's a little. It's also tougher the more experienced the players are they'll know when you're fudging. So you have to be even more careful about doing it. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And I think all of it's important to what you just said. I, <laughs> I do. I do. I think it's great. I think that's all wonderful. I do like rolling in the open because mm-hmm. it is the magician's trick of saying, look, there's nothing up my sleeves. That's not where the trick is. I'm just lying about everything else. <laughs> Every All these dice rolls is like, look, look how truthful I am. These dice are in the open. Things are on the up and up when, like, mm-hmm. behind the screen, that is all just fucking duct tape and lies. And that's fine. That's totally fine. GMs mm-hmm. are not cheating. That's not even an applicable thought. Well, We're the game. We are, like, I'm the game. <laughs> uh, you're, no, you're not. You can cheat as a GM by setting unbalanced encounters with parties that aren't equipped. Putting something, uh, putting a monster in front of them that they have no hopes of defeating because they don't have the proper damage type to cause any damage. Okay. To me, that's cheating. Also, when I don't like, and I know some GMs do this, and, and they say, oh, do it. It keeps your players on their toes. I say, fuck you. That's stupid. And it's when, oh, just pick up the die and roll it behind the screen and then kind of look at it and then look at them and say, Okay, well, what are you guys doing next? Just so they're, you know, tense. And I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. Oh, I do that. It's great. I love that I shit. do it through storytelling. <laughs> I do it through setting the scene. I don't have to do it through making fake-ass rolls. 
fake ass roles are not there to set the scene. I agree. Like I like to uh, put in. Let me ask you this. I'll put in random noises. Like you, in the distance, you hear the sound of metal scraping metal, and it slams. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking with them because it's the, the tomb has people in it. Presumably, those yeah. noises would be made. They but would fuck hear them. noises. They yeah. would, and they're going to associate it with things that they're doing when they're not. There's just the, the the place is alive. I'm trying to give it some vibe and yeah. some reality. But I do roll behind the because my players cannot help but meta game a little bit. They just can't help but maybe kind of think. Our guy, who's the ranger, was like, "That's a that's a beholder. I can see it in his eyes. That's a beholder." And he kept his mouth shut. He was like, "I know what this is, but I can't say because mm-hmm. his character would presumably not know. He didn't want to spoil the surprise." Well, that's good. Yeah. But he's still in his head. He can't not know it's a beholder, right? Well, yeah. That's not metagaming. Is if you were to state it and tell them how to defeat it, that's metagaming. But if he just right. knows it and doesn't say anything, that's fine. That's fine. No, I get, and I love, and I love, I appreciate him for that. It's great. So, but these players will sometimes know it's very gamey, and so I'll throw in, I'll throw around some dice to keep them honest. To where you know, if I haven't said make a perception check, they'll start reading into that. Or if I say to make a perception check, they'll read into that, and they'll act differently in those different situations. Like, oh, okay, this room must have a danger in it. Let me get out my danger tools. <laughs> you're like, okay, that, but you're you're right. Mm-hmm. There are dangerous things in here, and so. They can't help it sometimes, and so that kind of it just keeps them honest. The same way a lock keeps an honest man honest, a, f- a few behind the table rolls will keep an honest player honest. You know, keep them honest enough. But uh, I-, I believe in fudging as much as you can get away with. I have, uh, I actually don't worry too much about HP unless it's way out of touch or I think mm-hmm. someone really could use an epic kill. Like when they get down to the final few bits of a- of, of of health, I think it's okay to have someone go flick and they fall over as opposed to the big hit, but I will often give the big hit a bit of a boost. Mm-hmm. It, if you have the really cool hit and you haven't got anything cool in a while, I'm going to let you get the big hit that kills this thing, as opposed to the three HP that our barbarian will auto-hit. Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't need to mop up another kill. That's yeah. I think that's fine. If, the, if I have somebody that I want to live or that needs to die, I will slam that HP up or down as it needs to go. I'm not going to kill the players. That does feel a little shitty. Like, what am I trying to do? But mm-hmm. if, if it's just somebody who I want to have another line of dialogue or who I want to save for some other reason later, or I want to delay a part of the fight to another part, that's fine. I'm just I just I'm just buying some time. I'm letting you will on this guy and feel badass. Um, again, the dice rolls I can't fudge because they're open, uh, except for things that are explicitly hidden that they know about. And if I fudge those, I'll fudge them in the player's direction usually. Let's see what was what was the rest of it? like stat oh actions I did I did the exact same thing you said with the beholder as they were getting pressed I pulled back on the legendary actions mm-hmm. so out of all the legendary actions this guy could do it's probably around it's like five rounds of combat like fifteen I probably had him use about ten to probably about ten ten of it so he he could have gotten out more I beams and maybe could have won. But I didn't always remember to put that legendary action tacked on the end of someone's turn with another I-beam. You know, I kind of pulled that punch a little bit. Wait, uh, when it comes you pulled to the punch or you forgot? Uh, Those are both. two different things. <laughs> oh, I would. Uh, it was a little both. Like, if I forget something, I will go back and say, oh, yeah, I forgot to roll this part. Or, hey, oh. I skipped you the initiative order. My bad. Just go ahead and go. Yeah. You know, like if I forget your initiative and I'm aware of it, I'm, I'm not going to be like, well, get fucked. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, on the beholder's actions, did you forget? Or did you fudge? Uh, both. There things. was. I, th- I think I forgot one or two, and then like when, and then when I realized it happened, I was like, I just don't think we're gonna have. It. Like I, f- I wanted to do it at the end of a certain player's turn, but 
I forgot. And then I'm like, okay, well, I can just do it after that player's turn at the end of this player's turn. And I'm like, actually, I could just not do that. Mm-hmm. And so sort of inspired by my own forgetfulness, I'll just I'll just slink through this round and let them have a reprieve. And the and the and the combat was going pretty quick, and I think they missed it too. And they're not incentivized to look real hard for it either. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I pull I'll pull the punch a little bit. I'll have them take some off. Um, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I'll do is I'll have them skip a legendary action. I'll have them not go straight for the healer. Like this is a beholder. He's smart. He would know to probably nukeify our cleric. I'll also have them spread the damage around. D&D doesn't have any real tank. It has very few tanking systems for, like, forcing aggro. So I'll have them often split the damage up if they're winning. You know, if they're winning a lot, I'll have them pop, pop, pop. And that way the whole party's taking some hits as opposed to just nuking one person. You know, mm-hmm. it, it feels better. Everyone's getting roughed up. Everyone's getting, you know, some wounds. They're feeling the bite of this thing. That's a lot better than, like, Bill's dead. Thunk. You know, charging up my lasers. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And I'll, so, I'll, I'll develop ways that benefit them. So I'm like, instead of just saying, I'm going to launch all three at you because that's smart, I'll pull out a D6 and I'll say, well, he'll, he's got three I-beams. Even hits you, odd hits you, and I'll do even, you know, I'll roll three D6s. And the end result is going to be usually coin flippy. It'll be player one gets a blast, player two gets a blast. Player one gets the second blast. Well, I'm still splitting it up. It sounds fair. It sounds like there's a system, but I developed that system to be better than the alternative, which was I'm just going to fucking kill one of you with all three of these things. So it's it makes it seem like it's a system that's logical and is fair, but I've designed it to lead to a resolution that's not just what a smart monster would do. And this is a smart monster. Mm-hmm. So we both fudge. We both have fudged. Yeah, I'm um, a big fan of that. I think I I I think generally I, it's where we've differed in the past, but I just think that in terms of gaming, the truth is overrated. It really is. There's, <laughs> it's just not that great. I've I've found, found a quote, and it says uh, like there is a there's a, a a verse in the Bible, John eight thirty two. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, Aldous Huxley said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you mad." <laughs> I like that quote. Um, alternatively, Sharon Huss wrote, Tad, the truth is overrated. It's hardly ever as good as what you imagine. Hmm. I think that says it. Mm-hmm. So have you ever fudged in your favor? Um, I want to, to yeah, I've, I've increased HP because I wanted a character to be around for a bit to do some grandstanding. Uh, I severely underestimated like the fight. Monologue? Yeah, and I was trying yeah. to kill off my mom's character, <laughs> and I yeah. needed this guy to do that. I had engineered this guy to have like basically a tool that could deliver a power word kill, and yeah, yeah, he got fucking glommed on immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got an hour to get this done, y'all, so hmm. I need this guy to not be dead right now. And hmm. and even then, I had him kill him. But uh, other than that, no, I would never have. I cheer on the players. I, I mm-hmm. uh, Sly Flourish, who's an author, a big D and D head guy, you can see his podcast. He said that you can tell what kind of GM you are based on how you feel about critical rolls. If when you roll a crit, if your monster rolls a crit and you're like, yeah, you are an anti-player GM or mm-hmm. a hot, uh, an antagonistic, and he didn't really <laughs> criticize it, but it's not his style, it's not mine. If your if your stomach sinks. And you're that pro player style. That's me. Mm-hmm. I want my players to win. I was yeah. fucking mortified when that goddamn beholder rolled 
two D10s as 10s and has double death ray going at my ranger. I was like, yeah. come the fuck on. Yeah. Yeah. You know. No, I, I same. Like, oh, I don't want to over, like, I, 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 I don't like it when, when I roll a crit on them uh, either. So, hmm. I, I play it up because it's kind of fun to have that, uh, you know, ma ha 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 vibe, especially if the, if you're not if if it's a small bump in your direction, like yeah, I'm winning, haha, I take this damage, you know, sk- flee weaklings. That's a that's a cool vibe to have and, and to channel that through your baddie. But if mm-hmm. it gets really tight, I start sweating it. And mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I don't fudge in my direction beyond what I what I mentioned. I'm not gonna like call it a hit when it's not. I'm not gonna you know I'm I, no. No, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. That's good. I I just I don't know. I've I've played with some GMs. Uh. And I've listened to games with some GMs that are very adversarial towards their players, and all it is is just four or five hours of a game where they are just beating up the players. Just beating them down, and it's it's hard to listen to, and it's hard to be in because you just feel like, what's the fucking point of playing if it's just, you know, like I feel I, it felt like I was just there for the GM to, you know, get his angst out. He was gonna beat up on some players. I had to, I had to work some shit out. Had a rough yep. day at the old office. Gotta there. work some shit out, which I get. I built a PC to do the same thing. I get it, but as a GM, I have never worked out my angst on a table to where I was just beating people up. And in those games, it kind of felt like the GM fudged everything to go in their favor. Yeah, I I can see a situation where I would be okay with it. If a mm-hmm. fight is weaker than you wanted it to be, I mean, you designed the fight, you could have made it harder. Well, that's not fudging if you did it beforehand. It's just you made a mistake or the players got lucky and you want this fight to be more epic and to be a little bit more cooler. So yeah. let's say you have them with a spectral blade and you're like, and then the blade grows even bigger, making its damage go from a D6 to a D12. Okay, that's fudging and kind of bullshit, but you're you're not fucking your players, right? You're like, oh shit, this this encounter is is not is going to be. I am doing this for the players. I think as a GM, you can do anything if you're doing but, it to enhance the experience of the group. If if you if you have a a, fl- a, sw- a switch you can flip and it means more fun happen, you have every right to hit that switch. All right, well, and and Psychotron pointed that out. The GM fudges roles, and the PCs get the rule of cool, and that's that's the trade-off between the two, right? PCs yeah. get the rule of cool. I don't think a GM should get the rule of cool, which that's what that sounds like. Oh, I'm going to do this cool thing and, and make it uh, just a little just a little tougher for them. It's going to be cool, though. And it's like, mm, no. It's their coolness, though. It's, it's for the play. The, if all the, the stuff is easy... It's not fun. They're going to be bored. No, it it that's true, which is why you make a balanced encounter. Okay, well, sometimes you fuck up. <laughs> you fuck up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you fuck up. That's I don't, I don't think it's I mean, a huge sin to be a smart GM and get it right the first time and say this is going to be a D12 damage die. No, I'm not And being gonna, a new not... GM who's like, I fucked up. This needs to be a D12 damage die. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, it's just, 
I understand if you're a new GM, you can just say, oh, man, I, I messed up. I, it's th it's this die. Sorry. That's OK. Everybody, if you're learning, fine. That's fine. You can make a mistake. Nobody expects you to know every single rule, every single stat. I get it. Oh, that's not, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean that you're incorrect. I mean, like you just invented it. Like you're like, oh, shit, I have underwhelmed this encounter. This encounter was supposed to be an epic, holy shit fight. And now it feels like trash. Now it feels like a bunch of level 12s beating up on a level one. This is going to be trivial and boring. So I'm going to buff. I'm going to retroactively buff this guy to what I should have done in the first place because I underestimated their power. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Like you could have gotten it right in the first place, but you didn't. You were like you underwell you 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 just had too weak of an encounter. You underestimated your players and their abilities. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine. To, again, you're not trying to fuck them. That's that's yeah. fine. No, if I make a mistake and the players roll through my encounter, hey, uh, sometimes I just I just let it go and I learn. If they have a creative way of overcoming my encounter, I won't fudge it to make it so it lasts longer or anything. I'll let them do their. They were smart. They came up with a way to do it awesome oh yeah we we would we didn't hit that like that, that's the probably the most common type of shitty gm fudging it comes up on forums all the time player x has this ability how do i shut it the fuck down yeah uh, how stop. do i shut that down no you don't you don't <laughs> shut it down that's the point of making their character they made it with that thing that's the thing they want to do with it I want to see more um, questions like, how do I engage with this? Like, my character can see. Yeah. Like, Lil's son had, like, he was play, he was playing in my game, and he had, like, see invisible. See, see, he had true sight. Did it fuck up the encounter? Completely. But it was cool. That's his his character was, that was, yeah. he, he designed his character to do a thing. He got to do the thing. Got Him fucking the up thing. the encounter was the point. <laughs> it yeah. It was a feature. So, uh, I, I know I've, I had this happen uh, in the pirate game when Grafa was playing. He was a, a sorcerer. And I had this encounter. They were pirates on their ship. Another ship was coming to attack them. They were supposed to have an epic pirate battle. You know, like in, in uh, the old pirate movies where, you know, you swing from the one ship to the other and you, you're firing cannons. It was supposed to be epic. Grafa's wizard or sorcerer just goes over to the railing, casts a spell, moves all the water from out below the ship. Ship goes down done yep uh, i remember what that. am i gonna do what am i gonna do oh buoyancy it pops back up that's a <laughs> shitty move like no they won they did it awesome now every other person in at that in that group was like uh my guy you just eliminated combat for all of us and he's like yeah and he didn't quite understand why they were kind of like we wanted to do the combats we could do stuff but he's like, but you have a sorcerer on your ship. I can, you know, we don't have to. Why do a fight that where somebody could get hurt if I could just do this? So there was some weird discussion there. I was fine you with know? it. I'm, I mean, that's how d and I'm cool with it. That, that's, <laughs> I mean, hey, that that's what they did. That's fine, it, you know. It happened to okay. the legendary Matt Mercer, too. The exact yeah. same thing. He had a whole yeah. ship encounter. He had charts and, like, angle of attacks and, yep. like... And, and they were like, I got the spell. And he was like, okay, close this up. Let me collect this back from you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just that's, you know, that that's just, okay. They, they I as a GM did not look at their character sheets close enough. Or, and I, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't build my encounters around what they have in order to beat what they have. I should, I always try to make sure that they are capable 
of defeating the encounter if they roll well. But sometimes they just outsmart the encounter, and I'm not going to take that away from them. That's the rule of cool. That's awesome. Good job. I, I applaud you. And now I know to do better as a GM next time. You know, there you go. So, it, you know, like I, I'm not going to fudge something like that. But I know there are GMs that probably would fudge it because they had this whole thing. And the person just eliminated it. And it was supposed to last the whole session. And what am I going to do now? And I don't want to have to come up with something. So I'm going to fudge it so that doesn't work. And like, that's a shitty move. Yep. I, uh, yep. Yeah, I agree. We agree. I've, uh, I've, I've encountered a lot of times with passive perception. So like uh, the rooms in Tomb of Annihilation have a there's, – there's many secret rooms. They all have a certain DC – it's just set in stone throughout the entire place, right? Not okay. every door has – it's not individualized. It's like all the doors will have this DC. It's like 17 or 18 passive perception. Well, none of my players have it, so it's not a problem. But let's say you make a character that can, that can hit that number. That means they will see every single secret door just by default. You go in the room, secret doors are to your left and your right and your center. There you go, sir. Well, one, the secret doors are not like, like that would be very helpful, but they go to sometimes dangerous places as well. But that's fine. That's what that character is built to do. That character had to mechanically give up some bullshit to be able to do that thing. So that's what they, that's what they get. So you should not seek to shut that down. All you can do really is seek to build better encounters in dungeons. And I'll admit it can be harder for some characters and classes than others. It can be hard to deal with the divinity wizard who like knows all of the shit and can find the MacGuffin and can just suck up a lot of it, it can be very hard to make challenging encounters for them without hardline anti scrying, you know, tech. You know? I do imagine those problems mm -hmm. would pop up. I wouldn't consider that to be shutting them down. I would use it sparingly. Mm -hmm. You know, but they yes, that character is going to get a lot of intelligence. That's mm -hmm. how it is. Mm -hmm. You have to design around that. If they, the only thing I can say is maybe if you're a player, get with your GM if you have some kind of, um, I would say anything that has a very high intelligence gathering ability. If you're going to be using your spider familiar to scout the entire dungeon, or you're going to be using your divinity abilities to scry and locate object and find all the bullshit. Uh, or if you're going to have true sight, you know, something that's going to reveal everything always, all the time, mm -hmm. maybe have that conversation because that can be hard to make encounters for that are both that engage with that ability and don't shut it down. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. Anything, anything else? On? I, th I think we're mostly in agreement, you and I, which, again, doesn't happen often. I did not think I did not think you were gonna fudge. I thought you were like you know the law saith one shall have one nope. hundred and fortieth HP nope. and so it shall be done. No, no, I I I am a fan of the players and I try to give them a challenge so they can feel accomplishment and and so but you know if if I I will fudge yeah. There we go. I also well, try to avoid it. TPKs. I avoid TPKs rarely. I, I think I've only ever killed a player, a player character one. Yeah, you do most of your player killing as a player. <laughs> you don't. You don't need the all-powerful GM ability. Yeah, Psychotron was in the Shadowrun game that I ran, and uh, 
he never he never he never passed a perception check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was bad rolling. Bad roll twenty. <laughs> roll 20 so I sentenced you to jail for bad rolling. Rolling. <laughs> no, it was roll twenty. It's just bleh. cool. Well, I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I would. Uh, I'm glad everyone's on on page on on par. Uh, on maybe that, we should have yeah. an episode of ways to. Uh, deal with those type of characters hmm, interesting mm, we'll think about it we'll think about it but right now i think we're gonna wrap it up let's wrap it up wrap it up say goodbye goodbye y'all <laughs> bye everybody we'll see you next time